wants to make you radiant. See, God wants you to be the most extraordinary version of you with your unique gifts and your unique talents, all of it oriented upward for God's glory and outward to be blessings to the world. See, God wants to make you radiant. And Jesus uses the same type of language in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, when he said, you are the light of the world. There's something about the glow of a warm fire on a cold night that welcomes you in. Today on Jesus Is Real Radio, join Pastor Daniel as you seek to understand God's desire to make you radiant, just like that inviting fire. You'll learn that he does this by filling you with his spirit as you cling to him. And like the fire, when his light shines through you, the people around you will see your radiance and be drawn to the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Function of Evangelism. When most people think of evangelism, what they think about is, oh yeah, evangelism is the way that people get saved. We talk about Jesus, they put their faith and trust in Jesus, and they get reconnected with God. And you're like, well, that's the whole story. But I'm here to tell you, that's just part of the story. It's an important part of the story. But way more also goes on in evangelism. Let me give you the second R. I think it's super important. I like to say it this way. There's a reconstitution that happens. That's a big word, isn't it? And when I say a reconstitution, what I mean by reconstitution is all about what is the church. What is the church? Now, when you read your Bible, especially the Old Testament, what you find is that God chose a people. We know them as the the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And God gave all these promises to the patriarchs and to their sons and then on through the generations. But God's plan was never to have one group of people, one ethnic group of people who are his people as opposed to all others. And what you find is that at the end of the ministry of Jesus, after the cross, he tells his disciples, go, go to all the nations, go, go. And the book of Acts shows the movement of the called out assembly, the church, the people of God, from being primarily an ethnic group of people to being multi-ethnic. Now, I'm here to tell you, this is huge. This reconstitution of the people of God, not to be ethnically driven, but to be across ethnicities. See, God wants to put together a forever family that is of every tribe, nation, and tongue. God used the children of Israel uniquely to give those promises and for Jesus to be the vehicle to come into the world through the Jewish people that all the nations would be blessed through the children of Israel because of Jesus so that God can have a family that isn't monolithic ethnically but is absolutely diverse. You want to hear this? Look at Revelation chapter 5, a beautiful, an amazing passage. It says this in Revelation chapter 5. And if you don't know where Revelation is, it's the very last book in your Bible. So Revelation chapter 5. It says this 
uh, picking up in verse 9. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. See, God has a plan to draw all of humanity together into one family. Now, I think this is really wild. And I mean, even take a moment and just look around the Crossroads Sanctuary. There are so many different ethnicities represented in this room. Why? Because the function of evangelism is to help people to stop thinking tribally or ethnically, but we start to see brothers and sisters, men and women from all these different nations as, this is my family. That God isn't preferential as it comes to ethnicity. And this speaks very strongly into race relations today, doesn't it? I mean, we still live in a world that is deeply divided, ethnically speaking. But then you look at the, oh, so the function of evangelism is the reconstitution of what it means to be a people. Think about how, I mean, this is something that for 2,000 years, we're still trying to understand how this all works. But God's plan was always to reconstitute the people of God as a multi-ethnic group of people. And you realize, if you read the newspaper, if you read history, how much evil has been done in the name of ethnicity. Right? How many wars have been fought? How many, how much strife has happened? Because we have not grabbed hold of what God's reconstituted plan for humanity is. Don't miss the fact. Do you remember when at the Tower of Babel, remember back in the book of Genesis, where humanity was in rebellion against God, right? And so, and they were going to build a tower to reach up to heaven. And what did God say? God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to confuse their language because they're going to build this tower to reach up to heaven. They think they don't need me, you know. And so, and God confused their languages. But you ever realize what happened in Acts chapter 2? When the Holy Spirit was poured out, although everybody had all different languages, what happened? They all heard about the glories of God in their own language. See, the rebellion of the Tower of Babel was turned upside down or maybe right side up on the day of Pentecost. Because God is not interested in just one ethnicity or one race or one gender or one group of people, but God wanted to reconstitute the people of God as a multi-ethnic group of people. And I think even today when we say that, we don't even realize how radical the function of evangelism. See, race relations change when Jesus is the center You're like, well, so, okay, so great. So Revelation, show me some more of that in the Bible. When was the last time you read Ephesians chapter 3? In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul spends a lot of time talking about the middle wall of separation that was between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were everybody who wasn't Jewish, right? How Jesus breaks down that middle wall of separation. So it's about the reconstitution of the people of God. I, you could say it this way, that it's ecclesiastical. 
So you can't talk about evangelism without talking about the church. And God is radically interested in church. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I did not have great church experiences growing up. And, and that kind of culminated, and I wrote a little bit about this in my book, honestly, when my mother passed away, and so I was uh, about, uh, was I was 20 years old or so, and, uh, and what went on with the priest who was coming to meet my mom, it was really, it was really offensive to me. And so I didn't have good experiences with church growing up, and then when my mother passes away, and in her most vulnerable time, I, I feel like this priest is taking advantage of my mother and her uh, weakened state to sell mausoleum space. You know, and like the whole thing where it's like, you know, don't you want to be buried next to your mom? If you buy four plots, we'll give them for the price of three. And I'm like, I literally want, I want to wring this guy's neck, you know? And so after this all happens, I'm so anti-church, you know? And I find myself starting to read the scriptures. And what I realized was that I didn't like church as I was experiencing it because the church as I was experiencing it was actually divorced from God's plan for a called out group of people. See, in some ways, like a lot of people, and probably like some of you in here today, you are negative on church because you don't understand what church really is because you've seen the abuse side of it. And any good philosopher would tell you you never judge a philosophy by its abuse. That's something our culture does all the time, right? It takes the worst possible version of something and it runs it out there and everyone goes, <gasps> you know? But really, that's not what that belief structure is. They just grab the worst possible version of it. And what I started to realize is God's plan, when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus, you become church. Not a building you go to, but a group of people to belong with. And one of, the, one of the things I love about church is that for none of us would we choose all the people that God would put into church. If you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my friends, I'm going to pick my friends, none of us would be picking all the, I always make the joke that you probably would never, if you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design church, I'm going to have Daniel Fusco be the pastor. Like, no, I don't think any of you left up to your own devices would choose that. And I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't choose me for the gig either. I'm being honest. Like, I would be the last person I choose. But God's got a unique way of doing things. And what I love about church is that I've traveled all over the world. And anywhere you go, when you walk into a congregation of people who believe in Jesus, you just walked into a family reunion. I've been in Africa and in India and in Israel and in Arab countries, and you meet a group of people, and they're your family. And you, you can't understand the language, but you're praying together and singing together, and you're helping one another, and you don't even know these people, and you might never see them again this side of eternity, but that's your people. And the reason I think that's so important is because in a homogenized world that we live in, where people only know how to be friends with people who are just like them, who dress like them, who think like them, who vote like them, who like the same types of music. When God decides to make a family, he says, I'm going to put in all these people who come from all these different places, and I'm going to let them be a family together. And that's a powerful thing, isn't it? 
So one of the functions of evangelism is to reconstitute the people of God, not to be one ethnicity, but to be multi-ethnic. So we have, we've already seen reconnection, which speaks of us being fixed spiritually. We've looked at now reconstitution, God's plan for the church. Now let's get to the personal one. I like to call this, the third R is radiance. The idea of radius. And this is what God wants to do in your life personally. God wants to make you radiant. And I get this specifically from Psalm verses 34, uh, chapter 34, verse 5. One of my very favorite verses in the Bible. It says that they looked upon him, speaking of God, and they were radiant. See, what God wants to do through the message that Jesus is real is make you radiant. Now, if you think about that word radiant, it means somebody who is effusive with light. And there's not, you know, when, if you've ever met somebody who is radiant at that moment. Like, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I've gotten the pleasure of, of getting to officiate many hundreds of weddings at this point. And I, the moment when, as the pastor, I'm standing up in the front, I'm looking all pastoral, as, as pastoral I can look, you know? And, and at that moment of the presentation of the bride, I never look at the bride, I always look at the groom. Because that moment when she's in her gown, and he's seeing her for the first time, I wish I just could be up there with a camera, like taking pictures of it. Because it's such a powerful moment, you watch this man as he beholds his radiant bride on her wedding day. It's like his pupils focus in and his eyes get bloodshot, red and teary. It's awesome. It's an awesome moment. But when you see someone who is radiant, there is something so beautifully attractive, not attractive in a romantic way, but there's something, there's something that draws you into that radiance. And what I would tell you is that God wants to make you radiant. See, God wants you to be the most extraordinary version of you. With your unique gifts and your unique talents. All of it oriented upward for God's glory and outward to be blessings to the world. See, God wants to make you radiant. And Jesus uses the same type of language in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, when he said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. When you have a lamp, you don't place it in a basket. What do you do? Set it on a lampstand that it might give light to all the room. See, God's design for the people of God through the message of who Jesus is is for light to shine into the darkness. And it's so important. Every single moment of every single day, my friends, as you with the eyes of faith, behold the glory of who Jesus is. Say, Lord, I want to reflect your light out into the world. Lord, as I look to you, will you make me radiant? But if you think about it, and you think about your life, you think about the world that we live in, almost everything in this world is designed to diminish your radiance. See, the way the world works today, and I'm not saying we don't live there, we shouldn't think about this stuff, but everything is designed to remove your radiance. Why? Because it wants to avert your gaze from looking at the Lord to looking at other things. So when you look at all this stuff, you get all frustrated, and then you're frustrated. Have you ever met someone who is radiant when they're frustrated? 
No. Have you ever met someone when they're overwhelmed by all the garbage in this world who is radiant? No. See, and you you can't be radiant when you're spending all your time trying to cover up all the things that you don't want people to know about who you are because you feel massive amounts of shame at the decisions that you make. And the beauty of who Jesus is, is, and, and it's the function of evangelism, is that as we follow Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. And as we are free, and as we keep our eyes on him, his radiance, he shares it with us. You have that beautiful example, of course, of Moses. And we've seen this, right? Remember when Moses would go into the tent of meeting and meet with the Lord? Because of God's glory, his face would shine. And when it first happened, he didn't even realize. He goes back out to the people and everyone is flipping out because Moses is radiant. So what did Moses do? He wrapped himself up so no one saw. Now, of course, the apostle Paul tells us that Moses, that radiance was diminishing as Moses was out of the presence of God. But that reality that what God, he wants to make you right now. I think if you were to ask yourself, deep down you're like, I'd love to be radiant. Right? Like, I don't think I've ever met someone like, well, you know, I really like being the grumpiest person everyone's ever met. I think deep down, we realize that there's a way to be human that is beyond what we're experiencing right now. And what I would tell you is that God wants to make you radiant. But the only way to be radiant is to abide in the message of who Jesus is. To abide in the reality. I mean, Jesus in John 15 uses the language that we need to abide in him as the vine. That he is the vine and we are the branches. And without him, we we can't do anything. We can't bear any fruit. You know, and God is glorified that we bear much fruit. And so evangelism is the telling forth of who Jesus is. And when you and I abide, then we become radiant. And I want to encourage you. It's not wrong to say, God, as I behold you, will you make me radiant? Will you cause me to shine more brightly every single day? And I'll be honest with you. I'm not someone who's like, yeah, I'm always so radiant. You know, I'm, I'm super high wattage lumens, you know. It's like every single day I have to battle like you do to keep my eyes on the Lord. It's a good fight that we fight because money woes and, and family stuff and work stuff and, you know, just waking up on the wrong side of the bed and all this stuff goes on. And if we're not careful, we get our eyes off of the Lord, right? And when we get our eyes off of the Lord, in a lot of ways like Moses, that radiance begins to diminish. And if, you, if you're here and you're, and you're hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, you know, There was a time when I was radiant. There was a time when I'd meet people and they're like, man, what is up with you? You're you're just so bright right now. In the book of Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writes to the church in Ephesus, same church that the apostle Paul planted and wrote his letter to the Ephesians to. And he says, look, you have all these things going on, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. He's saying, look, you're doing all the right stuff, but your heart is not where it needs to be. And Jesus' counsel to them is first that you need to recognize from where you've fallen. And if you're here and you're saying, I used to be radiant, but I'm not anymore. That recognition is important. Because once you recognize from where you come, then what do you do? You repent. You turn back. 
And by turning back, it says that you should return and do the first works. So when you were radiant, what were you doing? Because know what I found? There are things that I do that either promote me shining brightly or diminish. What I find for most people is that at a time when they were radiant, they were in God's word. They were worshiping God. Not only when we had, have worship services, but all through the day, finding reasons to sing a song to the Lord. You are serving the Lord. You're saying, I'm going to live self-sacrificially in this world. And I'm going to, I'm going to give of myself just as Jesus gave of himself for me. And I'm going to find such joy in helping other people. Right? And you were in fellowship with other people who were also pursuing God. Right? So, so you recognize from where you were, you turn back, you return and you do the first works and then you rejoice. And you know what the rejoicing is? It's you start to radiate again. You start to reflect God's light and you start to experience the reality of who Jesus is. And then before you know it, you're shining bright and other people are shining bright. Every time you see someone, you're smiling and they're smiling. Everyone's smiling like, why are you smiling so much? Like, man, Jesus is real. This is so cool. And it's weird, but it's not weird because you're so bright. Everyone's like, well, I don't know about that Jesus stuff, but that person's on something really good right now. <laughs> you know? And, and I remember when I first got saved, I mean, kind of looking the way that I do, everyone always thought that there was drugs involved, you know? And I remember people were like, man, you, are you, what are you on? You're so happy. I'm like, man, I'm on the Holy Spirit, you know? Like, I haven't done drugs in a while, but God is good, you know? And what, what do they say at that point? They're like, oh, well. And I always be like, you want some, you know? <laughs> they get a little freaked out, you know? But it's like, I'll give you some, you know? But you want to be radiant, don't you? And see, the function of evangelism is to make people radiant because the only way for a person to shine brightly is to reflect the light of Jesus into the world. See, that old song that we sing with kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not talking about the, the kid's own light. It's talking about reflecting the light of Jesus. And our culture says, oh yeah, just let your little light shine, little kid. No, no, no. A person does not self-generate light. We are designed to reflect the light. Just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, the moon doesn't self-generate substantial amounts of light. It's meant to be a reflector. Why? And that's exactly the way God made us. Jesus is the light. We're supposed to be reflectors of the light. But it's one of the functions of evangelism. If you look at the world and you say, man, people aren't bright. People aren't joyful. People aren't happy. You know how you fix that? Evangelism with the message that Jesus is real. Jesus is real. What do people see when they look at you? Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God wants you to radiate his love and light to those around you. You'll learn that this light is not your own, but a reflection of God's love in you, and that the more you connect with him, the brighter you'll become. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to let this light in you shine out because others will notice and be drawn to the Lord when they see it. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. 
Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio to delve deeper into the relational restoration God longs to work out in your life. Pastor Daniel will share that not only can you experience healing in your relationship with God, but also in how you think about yourself and how you relate to others. As you remember how much God has forgiven you, your heart will be softened. You'll be able to reach out and forgive others too. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Gift. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.